Hi everyone, it's John. And Ben. And welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985's Santa Claus, the movie. One minute at a time. And this week we are on what minute? 80. Minute 80. (laughs) We only have, we only have, believe it or not, 28 more episodes to go. Less than a half hour. Until we reach the end of the movie. That's insane. I We're know. almost at the finish line. It's bittersweet. <laughs> We're getting so close to the end of the movie. It's insane. I never thought we would get... I never thought we would finish this, honestly. So the fact that we've made it into 80 is... Now we have to because it's like we've made it so far. We can't quit. <laughs> well, we weren't going to quit because this is the part of the movie we really wanted to talk about. As <laughs> last true. week proved where we <laughs> talked almost the running time of the movie about one minute. <laughs> that's true so before we dive into minute number 80 we do have some stuff to talk about here at the top of the show first let's talk about that lost scene that you uh read to us out of the book last week after we stopped recording you realized that that scene was also present in the comic book it is it is present in the comic book and i totally forgot to mention it uh last week and I sent you a picture of it because you were at work when I remembered that it was in the comic book. So I sent you a picture of the page and your mind was blown that it was in the comic book. So I have also put the picture of this lost scene page onto our website so everyone can see it. So that if my description of what happened wasn't easy to follow because sometimes I go sideways when I'm giving (laughs) summaries if my description wasn't that easy you could see the picture version from the comic book on our website so just knowing that it was in the novel and in the comic I would say there's a 99% chance that it was filmed Mm -hmm. and probably got cut out pretty late in the game yeah but it's not even on the blu-ray no so we don't have we have to picture it with just what we can piece together from the books. Mm-hmm. Next item of business, former guest of the show, Mike from the Advent Calendar House podcast, informed yeah. us, um, you know, how last week we were a little confused that one of the reporters, when asking Pat about if the space agency had contacted Patch about mm-hmm. the lollipops, Patch didn't quite understand the question. He clarified saying the astronauts. Mm-hmm. And we were confused why he didn't just say NASA, mm-hmm. which is, you know, if it was an American press conference taking place in New York, I'm sure they would have referenced NASA. Right. They would have just said NASA. Which, by the way, stands for National Aeronautics and Space Administration. Mm-hmm. And that's the space agency here in the United States. But it's just so awkward hearing it phrased as space agency. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this before recording, but it's like, we better talk about this on mic. But anyway, <laughs> so, Mike, Mike, <laughs> Mike, the listener, <laughs> informed us that NASA being a government agency would make the term public domain because we were wondering, maybe it's a copyright thing, you know, like the right. Super Bowl or the Olympics. So then we were thinking, why would they say space agency? That kind of sounds like a a British term, not something we use over here in America, But it does sound like something that would be said over the pond. And so you looked it up and 
there's the ESA, which is the European Space Agency. That is correct. So then that that boggled my mind because I that automatically made me think that NASA stood for North American Space Agency, which is the correct letters for NASA. And it goes along with the European Space Agency. So I'm thinking that maybe that's where that came from. That's our that's our new theory. That's about our theory. Why they anyway. didn't? Why the reporter just didn't say NASA in the movie? <laughs> so when you because when you told me what NASA stood for, it did not click with me at all. I don't know if I've ever even knew what NASA stood for. And the final thing to talk about before we get into minute eighty <laughs> is a recent eBay purchase of mine. Yes. <laughs> so I was perusing eBay for Santa Claus the movie 1985 memorabilia, like as I you do. do. <laughs> And I remember, and I remember stumbling upon a listing for a former Blockbuster video store rental of mm-hmm. Santa Claus the Movie on VHS. And I go, "Ha ha! Look at this, Ben! Isn't this funny? I don't think I'm going to buy it though, but isn't that interesting?" And then the next thing you know, you get a notification saying we won the auction. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> a few days later. A few days later. John and our son had gone to bed. I was doing my at-night routine of watching TV, as moms do. And uh, all of a sudden, my phone dings, saying that we had won an auction on eBay. And I was like, I don't remember um, submitting anything for an auction. And then I look at it, and I was like, John! (laughs) Because you had a bidder go against you. Yes, yes. They didn't go higher than my $20 bid, thankfully. It may be even a listener of this very podcast. Who else would want a former Blockbuster rental copy that I'm holding in my hand right now? You can't see it, but Ben will post it on Twitter and Instagram and everything and on our website. But now part of the Santa by the Minute Santa Claus movie memorabilia archive, we have a authentic former rental copy of Santa Claus the movie. It's in the hard plastic shell that you'd get from blockbuster hear that there you go this is a former copy from the rental store in sarasota florida it has like a little description on the back as i'm going to open it up you'll you'll get the full blockbuster experience a little asmr opening the blockbuster case ready oh listen to that and on the like spine of the video it has the please remember to rewind blockbuster sticker on it Mm mm-hmm and I just and shut the case again. So and now the this person will... who bought it did not rewind. No, it's... no, they didn't follow the sticker. Looks like they watched about halfway through the movie. It's about and... probably where we are now. Probably. <laughs> so and now I have. It's like oh, now what? <laughs> so because we already have it on VHS, but not in a blockbuster rental case. Now, if I remember correctly, this listing did not have a picture of the tape on the inside, right? Wasn't it just a picture of the case? Yeah, the, because front, and, I, the front and back of the case. Because when we got this in the mail, I remember you asking me if the movie was in the case. <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually see a copy of the actual video. <laughs> so, that, so that's that's pretty exciting. So this He's very a... excited about this. I know. I'm more excited than I should be about this. And I can't <laughs> believe anyone was bidding against me at that at the last minute. 
So I ended up paying a little less than $20 for this. Mm-hmm. An essential purchase, to be sure. Yeah. There's only there's only a finite amount of Santa Claus the movie related memorabilia, so you got to take what you can find. That is very true. Someday we'll have to do a whole episode on everything we've accumulated because I think we've had some finds that we haven't talked about on mic. We may have to do that one as a dual podcast and a podcast on our on uh, YouTube. Put that up on YouTube. Oh, maybe. We'll put it, so the put people it on can our see vlog it. channel. Yeah, maybe around Christmas time. Yeah. We'll uh, talk about everything. <laughs> All the ridiculous <laughs> Santa Claus the movie related things we have. Yeah. That we get so excited to find. And then when we get it, it's like, what are we going to do with this? We Like, we have a set of elf-made kitchen towels. I know we've talked about those on the show from Macy's. Yeah, and we have a picture on our Instagram of them. And it's like, well, I don't want to use them and get them stained with kitchen stuff. So they're just sitting in a Ziploc bag on a shelf somewhere. Well, what we need to do with that is make an actual poster. You know, get a piece of plexiglass and frame that so we can frame it and hang it on the wall. Because we're not going to want to ever wear it or use it. <laughs> next time next time a department store goes out of business, we'll buy one of those mannequin busts yeah. and put the apron on <laughs> Maybe we could buy two. <laughs> oh, jeez. Maybe if a Macy's goes out of business, we could have oh, a Macy's geez. mannequin wearing the elf-made uh, oven mitts and apron. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. anyway, let's talk about minute number 80 of Santa Claus the movie, which begins with BZ addressing the press. What we want, what we want, is to bring joy and happiness to all the little children. Of this world. You know I'm going to want to read back every single BZ line. <laughs> I know. <laughs> what we want. Uh, what we want is to bring joy and happiness to all the little children of this world. So in the, in the book, it, he didn't have to be that forceful. In person, he must have had to really um, get the reporter's attention because, you know, like, he's just talking, but they wouldn't stop asking him questions. In the book, he doesn't have to be like, what we want! What we want is... <laughs> <laughs> he, had to, he had to get their attention. They were kind of chattering. Yeah. We didn't point it out last week, or uh, we didn't mention it, rather. But Grizzard... Do you mm-hmm. think it... Is it Grizzard or Grizzard, the bodyguard slash chauffeur of BZ? I don't know. Um, I would think that it's probably Grizzard. That's what I'm thinking, too. I I know the guy at the guard shack uh, said his name out loud when they drove through earlier, but I can't remember. Oh, I keep, yeah. I keep wanting to call him Grizzard. Good morning, Mr. Grizzard. Everything okay? Fine. So anyway, Grizzard is standing in one corner with his arms crossed, mm-hmm. making sure nobody nobody's causing trouble for BZ. And Towser is also hovering around BZ as well. We didn't mention yeah. either one of those characters being in this particular shot last week, but they're still here. In the book, they pointed out when BZ says that Patch was going to be exclusive with BZ Toys, how stiff Patch's grin was with that announcement. Like he didn't know what BZ was talking about. Well, now I want to. Now I'm watching the minute to see if I can see that. My pal Patch here. This is a great Lithgow minute, by the way. And that's why I'm proud to announce that beginning today, my pal Patch here 
is exclusive with BZ Toy. Doesn't look like he really smiles in the movie. Anyway, um, I want to point out, after watching this minute over and over again, watch the reaction to the pr- of the press after mm-hmm. BZ says this. They all kind of laugh. They, they're not taking this seriously. And there is a blonde woman between the lady with the glasses and the notepad. Mm-hmm. And um, another one of the reporters, I believe he was the one last week who asked what was in the lollipop. She rolls her eyes. She's like, oh, I can't believe I'm covering this stupid press conference. <laughs> like, this can't be for real. <laughs> well, I don't even know how she could do anything because she's getting completely covered by all all these guys are like squished her into that table. <laughs> yeah, I was I was. I was wondering about that, too. It's like, the, has the table disappeared in the close-up shots? Looks like she's laying down on the table. Yeah, that's Everybody's... what she would have to be doing. <laughs> yeah. Because in the close-up, they seem definitely closer together, like crammed together. But then when they cut to them in the wide shot, you can see the table there, and they're more spread out. Mm-hmm. Does the book say anything about the reporters kind of treating this like a joke? Well, it says here... That after Pat, after BZ says that Patch is exclusive with BZ Toys, gasps and murmurs and excited whispering filled the room as reporters scribbled hastily in pads. Cameras whirred and flashed as BZ and Patch posed arm in arm with big matching grins on their faces. No one seemed to notice that Patch's grin had a certain stiffness about it, which seemed to hide some other expression. And then after the line you're going to be bringing up in a minute, it says, not everyone in the room smiled. Not everyone there had a short a memory as BZ liked to hope the American public had. That woman was laying on the desk because if you frame by frame it, when BZ and Patch get up, you can see her getting off. Oh yeah, she's like on her desk. knees. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's one dedicated reporter. So maybe she was saying, oh, "I went through all this effort to get this scoop, and it turns out to be this nutcase saying he's gonna go in business with an <laughs> elf." I know. <laughs> I should be covering some real news. Yeah. So before we go uh, too far. Uh, well, let's finish up what the reporter has to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what about the fact that the Senate Subcommittee on uh, Toy Safety cited this company? So then we have uh, one reporter. He's scribbling on a notepad. He asked, like you just heard, now what about the fact that the Senate Subcommittee on Toy Safety... Now, I listened to it over and over because the, the press conference sort of descends into chaos at this point. I listened to it over and over, and I'm, I'm fairly certain he said cited this company on 15 separate violations. 15! You're, cor- You're correct. That's what it says in the book. Oh, go me. Yeah, I had yep. I had no access to the book as always. I was just trying to isolate what this guy was saying in, in my head. Yeah, uh, it says, what about the fact that the Senate Subcommittee on Toy Safety cited this company for 15 separate violations of, and then BZ cuts them off as soon as that reporter says senate subcommittee it seems to really be concerning to patch and we'll get into that in just a second but anyway <laughs> we have a lot to unpack here before we go into bz's office and this has to be by the way the same boardroom patch and bz were talking in earlier 
because it yeah. attaches to the office. I know we were kind of going back and forth on that because what was in the display case in that scene wasn't mm-hmm. what was in the display case during the filming of this scene on the bonus right. Blu-ray feature that we keep talking about. And there is a cut elf pun here. That is said not by Patch. No, BZ gets a great elf pun. Not only is it a good elf pun, but it's a great BZ line. It definitely fits <laughs> his character. After BZ announces that, he and his pal Patch are exclusive in business together. BZ also took credit for everything in his own way. How about you read the line and then we'll hear hear this elf pun sound effect. Okay. It says it says Overcome with an epiphany of the moment, BZ said grandly, Boys, let me tell you, I owe all of this good fortune to me, my elf, and I. (laughs) That's not quite how he said it. I'll have the audio here that I have captured as the TV is playing this line. (laughs) I owe all this good fortune to me, my elf, and I. Get that? During the filming of the boardroom scene, which we have cited many times over the past couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. we do get to hear over and over John Lithgow saying, Me, my elf, and I. I love how he credits himself twice. (laughs) (laughs) It it seems so purely busy, and it's a shame they cut that. Maybe they were like, oh, we're, we're getting a little carried away with the elf puns here. I don't know how they could possibly think they're getting <laughs> carried away with any of the elf puns. The more the puns, the better. So the next order of business before we move along here is that three of the reporters in this scene, the three that ask questions to Patch and BZ, are credited in the end credits of this movie. They must have had some good agents because they get screen credit as reporter. All three of them. (laughs) So here we go. I have notes on all three. Ready to go? You ready for Mm -hmm. this? So the woman in the glasses, she's the one who asked about Patch's outfit last minute. That is Sally Cranefield, born in 1946. She was an English actress. Uh, She appears to have been active mostly between 1979 and 1990, mostly on a few British productions. But there is a Salkin connection. She got screen credit as Argonian teacher in 1984's Supergirl. Hmm. So that was the Salkin's movie the previous year, also directed by Gino Schwartz. There's reporter number one. Next up on the list is Michael Drew. He is the one here who asked about the Senate subcommittee. He played Jake Farrell, or Farrell, who was a starfighter pilot in Return of the Jedi. Now, I, I have, I'm not familiar with this character. It must have been a very small role. But if you want to read the backstory of starfighter pilot Jake Farrell, go to Wikipedia. It is a long entry. He has quite the backstory. <laughs> but here's his biography. He's kind of transitioned into voiceover work 
in more recent years. He's done voiceovers for a few villains on Power Rangers. This is on a website called Sounds Fine, where you can listen to his demo reel for voiceovers. Never willingly unemployed, Michael has earned his living as a jobbing actor since his late 20s, on film, TV, in theater, on radio, and as a voice actor. It all started when performing with elephants in a Swedish circus, and on to New York, where he trained with Lee Strasberg. Theater Life with La Mama, a few episodes of Kojak and Sesame Street, and on to more training at LAMDA in London, repertory theaters, a stint in the West End, and tours around the UK, movies including Highlander, Return of the Jedi, Santa Claus the Movie, most recently Judge John Deed and Walking the Dead for the BBC, a year of Crossroads for ITV, and many happy BBC radio dramas and corporate presentations, narrations for BBC Wildlife, Discovery, and National Geographic, and loads of fun animated characters and voice dubbing, including several recent nasties in Power Rangers. How, how is that for a career? Quite the career. He So, yeah, that was the guy who... Asked about the Senate subcommittee and safety violations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, and our final. <laughs> I should have. I should have ended with that guy. Phew! That was that was quite the biography. <laughs> and our final one. Uh, he's kind of the guy. Almost looks like Columbo in the trench coat. There. He asked, "What's in the <laughs> lollipop?" Last week. That yeah. is Paul. Asplund, and I have his little IMDb bio right here. Not much on his resume that we would have been familiar with. I'm sure you can guess what he's mostly been in. BBC. British stuff. Yes, British stuff. <laughs> I feel like we needed a Brit as like a third co-host on I here. I know. I feel like we did. So he was born in Norwich, a small medieval town in Norfolk, England, and grew up in Adelaide, Australia. He graduated from the drama departments of both the University of Windsor and York, and he has worked as a director and served as an artistic director on more than 80 stage productions. Wow. There's a little little peek at the careers of those three news reporters. Yeah, I should I should have ended with uh <laughs> Should have ended with the Power Rangers guy. Power Rangers and <laughs> Star Wars and Sesame Street and training with elephants. So BZ abruptly ends this press conference saying, no more questions. And he escorts Patch out of the room because yeah. this boardroom is attached to BZ's office by a big mm-hmm. pair of doors. And the press just goes bananas trying to get him... Trying to get in that one last question. It feels like a lot of presidential press conferences we've seen over the past uh, four years or so here in the States. Yeah, very similar. So then Towser takes over, also shouting, no more questions, no more questions, as Patch and BZ leave the room and he shuts the door behind them. He's keeping the press at bay. Yeah, in the book it's a little different. Okay. I mean, it's similar, just a little different. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for now. Nipping the whole unpleasant matter swiftly in the bud, he said thank you for coming and started forward, gesturing to the reporters toward the doors. At his cue, Towser, Miss Abruzzi, and most importantly, his British chauffeur, Grizzard, moved forward from their (laughs) unobtrusive... Moved forward from their unobtrusive places along the wall to flank him, hurting the press from the room. 
As the last reporter was pushed rather unceremoniously out the door, BZ remained behind with only Patch beside him, and he locked the doors. So the exiting was different in the book than in the movie. Yeah, a little bit. I was just seeing if Miss Abruzzi was in that mob somewhere, and I'm not seeing her. Yeah, I hadn't seen her either, so I don't know if she was cut from that or if maybe she's back, like, just behind everyone. Like, or... really buried in there? <laughs> yeah. Oh, she is! She really? is! I see her! I see her! She is way back by the lollipop. If you go to 26 seconds, she's center screen, way back by the lollipop. Oh, yeah, she's like, yeah, while well, Towser is saying no more questions, like, closer to us, the viewer, yeah. while BZ and Patch leave out of the room, she's, like, trying to corral them from the other side of the room. Yeah. Whoa, I never <laughs> noticed that before. <laughs> I swear I say that every week. <laughs> And it blows my mind that we still are seeing details in this movie we've seen 80,000 times. And one minute that I probably watched at least 75 times in preparation for this podcast. I know, there she is, hopping around. That's amazing. And I guess the only other thing I want to mention real quick is that we do see a cameraman from apparently action news. All I see is action on the camera. And he's wearing a New York Yankees hat. Am I right? Yep. Okay, so anyway... Patch and BZ are out of the room. The doors have shut. Towser's yelling, no more questions, no more questions. Slam. Okay, now we're back what? in BZ's office. Oh, there's two from Action News. Oh, there are? Yeah, because as they're getting out the door, there's the one wearing the New York Yankees hat. And then on the other side over by BZ, there's another one, and he's not wearing a hat. He's oh, yeah. right. Because I, I moved through it. I thought it was the same guy, just lost his hat. But there's actually two of them. So now we're back in BZ's office. We do get a nicer look at some of those pictures on the wall that we, we've mm-hmm. uh, addressed earlier. Like BZ looks like he was shooting a rifle. Yep. And going fishing and whatnot. But we've talked about all these in the past. But here's a, like a somewhat closer look at them. Yeah, you can tell they're not all black and white. There's one colored photo up in the top, but... Oh, no, and there's another one. There's yeah, I a think couple the, that are colored. Yeah, I think the one on the bottom is in color, too. Like, maybe they were for yeah. a magazine article. Yeah, probably. So, Patch asks BZ... No business about the Senate subcommittee. Just typical newspaper garbage. So, doesn't that seem to you that Patch now knows uh, enough about how the world works that he knows what the Senate subcommittee is? I mean, a few months ago, when he and BZ met, he probably would have been like, I know what a submarine is. <laughs> Well, I don't know if he knows what a Senate subcommittee is or he understood what safety violations are because here in the book, it says Patch looked up at the toy manufacturer, her, his face troubled. What was that he said about a Senate subcommittee? He wasn't quite certain what that was, but he understood toy safety and violations well enough. Yeah, that's where I was going to go next. It's yeah. like, maybe they should have had Patch say, what was all that business about safety violations? Yeah. But BZ assures him that it was all fake news. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Sounds familiar. Don't take it seriously. A lot of this part is uh, hitting a little close to home for Americans. <laughs> so here is some more great acting from John Lithgow as BZ. BZ is beginning to sit down behind his desk. And Patch asks... 
And what was that business about our future plans? So here BZ kicks up his feet onto his desk, like leans back in his chair. He still has his cigar. He's had his cigar through this whole press conference, even when they were out there taking questions earlier. <sighs> the future is ours, Patch. But I'm going back to the North Pole. Says who? <laughs> <laughs> Says who? <laughs> What? What? <laughs> that was very like um evil Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Tigger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I can't do it justice. Only John Lithgow could have pulled off that line. That scoffing says <laughs> Oh nobody yet. But now Santa Claus has seen what I can do, I'm sure he's going to send for me to come home. So he's acting like Santa Santa was the one who banished him from the North Pole right now. Very confusing. Yeah. He left on his own will. <laughs> he did. I think he has him twisted in his mind a little bit, though. And here's my nomination for the best John Lithgow line read of this particular minute. What does the North Pole have that New York doesn't? Ice and polar bears. Well, why would you want to do that? What does the North Pole have that New York doesn't? Ice and polar bears. Just his face, please. <laughs> sneering at the thought of ice and polar bears cracked me up i love the facial expression that goes along like, with it it's not just not just the words it's yes. just his whole entire body really pulls for that line his, i mean he shivers <laughs> like he's thinking about being in the north pole and then he has like the look of disgust on his face i mean he has Full body acting. Yes. With yes, that line. Yes. John Lithgow is really selling this line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, New York does have ice. I mean, not like as much as the North Pole, but in the wintertime in New York, I'm sure it gets icy. I don't think BZ like, associates with ice at all, though. I mean, he goes into his apartment or into his townhouse and into his office. I don't think he's a deal with the weather type of person. He has a chauffeur who keeps the car warm, drives him around. I don't think he even knows the weather in New York at any point in time. Patch responds to this by saying, And Santa Claus and my friends. That was a very charming read from Dudley Moore. And Santa it Claus was. and my friends. And that's a perfect... Perfect clean cut for this minute. Unfortunately, we don't get a clean of one for next minute. No. Which... I have a little bit. I have a little bit here. Okay, go ahead. But I want to talk about what's going on in Patch's head and heart. His heart squeezed with longing inside him. The more time he had spent in the real world, the more he had realized how much he had left behind at the North Pole. The real world was no place for an elf. He found it far too complicated, contradictory, and confusing. He belonged back in his own enchanted village. He only wanted to be appreciated there. That was all. He had his pride, and it would not let him return until he had proved to Santa and all of the rest of them how much they really needed him. All year long, he had hoped for some message calling him home, but nothing had come. And so he had buried himself in his work, telling himself that his triumph would be the thing that made them admit how much they missed him. He was waiting for them to call him back home, as in 
they he was waiting for them to tell them that they missed him, you know, but they didn't do that. So he just kept staying in New York. But he's like, he's like, well, now they know that I where I am. They know what I'm doing. They know what I can do. Now they'll call me home because they can find me. Yeah, I can't elaborate that on anymore because we'd start spilling over into the next minute. <laughs> so that's going to be our cliffhanger. <laughs> I suppose the only other thing uh, that my mind wanders to is that he didn't correct Beezy at all on the polar bear thing. So we have to assume <laughs> that they've had some tangle with polar bears. Well, I mean, where are they going to get their meat for their soup? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Where do they get the blankets and the covers from? No, no. Polar bear blanket. The poor polar bears. Or an elf who goes out to like shovel a walkway or something and gets mauled by a polar bear. Right. Exactly. Oh, no. No, no, no. We can't end the minute like this. Let me look at the comic book. Let me look to see if there's anything. Any differences? Yeah, see if there's anything I missed. Unfortunately, the comic book has the same thing, except for the place it takes, the, the press conference takes place with BZ sitting at his desk and Patch sitting on BZ's desk and all of the reporters are just crowded around them. And then when it ends, that's when Towser and Grizzard and Miss Abruzzi push all of the reporters out of BZ's office. But I think that the way they did it in the movie is way more accurate because there's no way all of those reporters would be pushed out. You know what I mean? Like, the only way it was going to end when BZ wanted it to end was if BZ and Patch left the room yeah, and they like were, they like, could, locked. Yeah, they could know? escape to, like, a quote, backstage area. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm just thrilled that Miss Bruzy got a little more screen time than we thought previously. I thought <laughs> the last we... she's there. Yeah, I thought the last we'd seen of her was when Patch took off in the Patchmobile. Yeah. And she was there cheering them on. But no, she's, she's in this scene as well. Awesome. Who knows where else she may show up that we just don't know about. I don't know. Maybe she'll get arrested at the end. We never <laughs> noticed it before. Maybe she's sitting in one of the cop cars. Yeah, she's like, I didn't. I don't even know what happened. I didn't do anything. All I do is take care of his calendar. I don't know what's going on. Oh, man, we'll have a lot to say about that minute when we get there. That may be the new record setter. I know. Oh, gosh. So any final thoughts on minute number 80? I think this is another one for the books. No, I think that is all I have to say about it. So if you, the listener, have anything that you want to say about minute number 80 of Santa Claus the Movie, or any minute of Santa Claus the Movie, or anything Santa Claus the Movie related, you can send us an email, santabythemenute at gmail.com. You could also reach out to us on social medias, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at Santa Minute. Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of those episodes for free!